I had recently really kind of been owning my faith, uh, really figuring out like, what does it look like to follow Jesus in my life? And I was trying to even navigate, like, how do you talk about that? And, and think through like Easter means something different when, uh, when it's really about the resurrection of Jesus. And so he said that and I went, yeah, yeah. And he said, you get, you get gather with family and you celebrate together. You, you get to catch up. It just, it's just like the best day ever. And I said, I'm with you. I'm with you. And he said, well, what's, your favorite part of Easter. What makes it so good? And I was like, well, I, I mean, I think there's kind of one option for what makes Easter so good. And I said, well, of course. And he interrupted me. He said, the waffles, right? <laughs> I went, oh, I do love waffles. Uh, he said, and the mimosas. Oh, and the strawberries and whipped cream. And we always go to a place with an omelet bar. He said, there's no brunch like an Easter brunch. <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't grow up with necessarily like an Easter brunch as a, I mean, we often had like an Easter meal, but he, his family would go out and have like the most spectacular brunch uh, of the year. So it was for him the best day of the year. Uh, but shocking, I thought, oh, that's not what I was going to say. I was about to say Jesus is what made it so good. Um, not necessarily brunch, uh, although a you know a plate full of waffles and <laughs> strawberries and somebody's stomach just grumbled. I think we just heard it <laughs> is good, but there's something that's so much better, um, and uh, that's why we're celebrating. That's why right we read that story and we all can yell out together, "He's risen!" Because it does something. It's changed something. It's changed the world and all of us forever. It's really, it's really the, the cornerstone of the Christian faith, right? Some people call it, Natty having said it, it's like the Super Bowl for church. Um, except in the Super Bowl, different people win every year. Jesus has just won once and still is winning. Um, we hear this language actually in 1 Corinthians of how important this is. In 1 Corinthians, we hear, for what I received, I pass on to you as a first importance. This is really important. That Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and the twelve, and that he appeared to more than 500 of brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. This is Paul who's saying, this is, this is it. This is, if nothing else, we know Jesus died and he was buried and he rose from the dead. And are you sure? I'm sure actually because he saw a ton of people and they all saw him. They saw him die and they saw him alive and well, resurrected. This is, this is it. If, this is the, the foundation of what we believe and actually what gives us hope gives us joy, what keeps us going, what has changed our lives. This is the thing that you hear often at Hope. There was an old, old review um, a long time ago when I first came to Hope, probably 10, 11, 12 years ago, there was a v- review online on a website, and we had not really ever looked at our reviews. <laughs> and then someone's like, hey, uh, it's helpful maybe to look at your reviews in case they're like inaccurate or, you know. And so we looked, and there was a lot of five stars, which was really encouraging, and there was one one star. And the one star said, if you want to hear the gospel all about Jesus dying and rising every single week, go to this church. 
And I was like, all right, I guess. Maybe they don't understand the system. <laughs> Once, we'll take it. That's the best one-star review you can get. Why? Because this is all we got. This is all we have is Jesus' death, being buried in a tomb, and, and raising from the dead his resurrection. It's what we see, uh, the image that we see when we baptize people in our church. We see them go under the water as a symbol, right? We see them go under as if dead, and then they come out as a symbol that they've been raised with Christ, dead with Christ and raised with Christ. We take communion every week. You're going to get a chance today to do that, and that's something we do as a, to remember this thing. This is the thing that we remember. So I want to take time today on Easter to share uh, three things that, that uh, rolled around in my head and in my heart. Three um, things that kind of take me to Good Friday and, and leave me there. They don't, um, they maybe push me into the, what we would call Silent Saturday, what yesterday was, this kind of period in between. They leave me in this dark place. And if Easter is true, which it is if, if Christ rose from the dead and resurrection is real, uh, then it changes these things that kind of bounce around in my head and my heart. So I just want to share with you three things that, that do that for me and how today Easter changes that. Resurrection changes that. And so then if I am a person who believes this, if, if I can go to Christ and say, I, I'm losing hope, I'm believing this Good Friday language, I, I'm sitting in this darkness Death seems to have won. Resurrection reminds me and tells me, no, no, no. Real Jesus came and real Jesus died on a cross and real Jesus rose from the dead and it changes everything. So I just want to walk you through the three today for me. And, and these are things uh, I've been really even journaling and, and processing in my life a lot. And I hope some of these, I would guess some of these, maybe you've found yourself in as well. I find myself considering, thinking, at least feeling at times I'm too broken for God. This is a place where I might feel alone, distant. I feel like I've done too many things. I've thought too many things. Maybe I feel just like a faker, like a hypocrite. I think, why did I just say that? I, I can't believe I just did that thing. Maybe I just don't see God show up when I want him to show up or in the way that I'd like him to show up so I can feel alone, just broken. Uh, for, for myself, or, or you know, sometimes the brokenness has come because other people I feel have kind of broken me. So it comes from the outside, it comes from within. I've been hurt. And it's hard to trust God when I can't even trust people around me sometimes. And so I, I live kind of in a place sometimes where I think this is the end. Kind of a good Friday, dark place. I recently ran into uh, a guy, I was, I was downtown. Um, our church has three locations and one of them is downtown Minneapolis. And I was down there and I came out of our building and a man walked up and he said, you're a church, right? So you'll give me money? And I went, oh no. Uh, well, I want to hear what's going on. So we talked for a long time uh, about what he was going through and what he was dealing with. And uh, I said, can I pray for you? Uh, and he's like, ah, oh, I know that's your thing. But he said this phrase, I'm a lost cause. You don't need to pray for me. It, like broke my heart. I mean, to he just to hear the words, don't worry about me. 
I'm a lost cause. Thankfully, I was able to say, I, I don't believe that. Um, can I pray for you? And we prayed. He actually, we prayed, and then he went, oh, you still prayed for me? Uh, here's actually some things you could pray for. It was like I, he was almost testing me, I think. <laughs> like, oh, you actually cared. Okay. Uh, and shared some real things, and we actually prayed. We got a little teary and uh, did the, like, I'm not crying and you're not crying. <laughs> we won't tell anyone. We both just cried. Uh, believe that. And I think this, I'm a lost cause, and even if, uh, like all of me doesn't believe it. There's moments, right? I feel far and distant. I think, why would God come for me? Well, we hear that that isn't true. We hear this all over Scripture, but in Romans 5, we hear this loud and clear. But God demonstrates his own love for us. He's going to show us how much he loves us, how, how we're not lost causes, how we're not alone, how we're never too broken. While we were still sinners, while we were still broken, not cleaned up, he didn't say, hey, hey, uh, okay, you do these things and then I'll come. He says, well, you're still sinners. Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Do you hear that language? He's saying, while you were enemies of him, he came and died. He took the wrath that was for you and he took that on himself, that burden on a cross for all of you and died. And he also rose from the dead. Of course you're loved. God came down from heaven, humbling himself, moving towards you, even while you were like, I don't want you. So even in your most brokenness, our God comes and dies and raises from the dead, bringing life to you. I can't imagine doing that even for like a decent friend, let alone an enemy. And so Easter screams to us the very real truth, the very real hope that God comes to us in our brokenness, that God loves you dearly, that you are not alone, and that even in your brokenness, he has come and made a way to make you family again. That's, that's really good news. If that's all, if you left this morning, if I just went, done, and then everyone stood up and left, and you walked to your car, that alone is worth knowing. Resurrection, it's a, Easter is that good of a reminder of that, of a hope in that. There's a second thing that bubbles up in me, not just that I feel broken, far from God and that God moves towards me, but I often feel that I can never do enough. This comes out in all different categories of life, and this makes me really tired. On Good Friday, our service on Friday night, um, all of our locations gathered, and we uh, read from Matthew 11, just this, this passage where Jesus, Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. He says, I'll give you rest for your soul. And I'm weary. And I find myself, I think, often weary because I uh, can't do enough. I'm realizing that I can't reach perfection, which sounds silly almost coming out of my mouth because we all say, well, no one's perfect, but I'm going to try. I think I'm going to try to be perfect, or I'm going to expect perfection from people around me or from myself. There's all these different ways that I find myself working really hard 
to get the things that satisfy my soul when it actually is Easter that does it. All sorts of ways, really good things often, but I put them in a place that I think this is going to bring me ultimate satisfaction. I'm going to work my hardest for these things. Whether I'm trying to just be kind and helpful and serve people well, I think if I do this, ultimately it will bring me wholeness and rest and life. If I maybe watch enough documentaries on things, I'll know enough about the world that I can like figure out fully how everything works. If I listen to enough podcasts, I'll, I'll know enough. And then, and then maybe even God in that would go like, oh, I'm so thankful someone knows everything. He'll even maybe call me up. Hey, Drew, I'm trying to figure this out. I feel like maybe just even I'm kind to a friend. I have kind words. Or maybe I've learned to take the right political side and, and now everything will be okay. And maybe even just learn to pray enough. I just got to keep praying. God, I've prayed a lot, so now I should get what I want. Maybe I've liked enough things on Facebook. I should get some kind of heavenly credits for that. It's It's tiring. I keep thinking this is going to satisfy my soul when we, we're told on Easter the one who brings life to our souls and rest to our souls has risen from the dead. It's often in the things I'm doing and not the person of Jesus that I, find, I think I'm going to find rest. We just heard this in Ephesians. We're in a series in Ephesians right now. And we've just heard this in Ephesians 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. Even when we were dead, when we actually had nothing to offer, he came and rescued us and gave us life. It is for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by your works, so that no one can boast. I think I often find myself thinking, I can't do enough. If I did enough, I would ha- I'd finally have hope and rest and satisfaction in my soul And we hear on Easter, Jesus did it. He's done the work to satisfy the wrath of God and to bring life to your heart and your soul and your mind, to your relationships, to your motives. Easter tells us resurrection is real and therefore Jesus has done the work to rescue us from death. How much of the work I do of my time and just even thinking is to figure out how to like live longer or healthier or to live fuller without Christ. And then it falls through. And Easter tells us Christ gives us life. And then from there, often empowered by him, empowered by the Spirit, we have opportunities to go love well and, and learn well and, and do those things. But that, that's not our, our foundation, our, our inner being that like comes alive. You are dead, and Jesus makes you whole, alive and empowered by the Spirit. I often want to put myself in the driver's seat. And Easter tells us, no, you, don't, you really can't, and, and you don't need to. Jesus has done it, and we can rest in that. Thirdly, I uh, often ask or feel this. This is the one I've been really thinking about a lot lately. Is this it? And I'm not saying this, I'm saying this as a person who, you know, is a professional Christian. I get paid to be a Christian, not really, but I mean, I think about Jesus a lot and I read the scripture a lot. And I, many, many moments go like, is this it? 
I think some of it's because I bought into uh, uh, a, a Jesus when I was first in Christianity, where I heard many, many stories of people having victory over things, many, many people sharing the joy they had in Christ, and I never got to see the suffering that was still in their lives, the brokenness in their lives. I, I heard a lot of stories of that if you come to Jesus, then things will be fixed. We'll make it all better. And, and then I was around a lot of Christians who were still like broken, and I thought like, oh, these don't seem like Christians because they're like not fun always to be around. <laughs> not knowing that like, hey, we're not all fun to be around. We're still broken. We still feel sin. We still uh, feel temptations of our flesh. Sin still crouches, right? Still wants to destroy us. Satan still is speaking lies to us. Like, this is it? This Easter happens and we celebrate and we cheer and, and we have brunches and like, yes, he's risen from the dead. And, and we see in scripture, all these people saw him raised from the dead. And you're like, it's over. It's over. And then I go to work on Monday and it doesn't feel over. Is this it? Is this it? I think it's a really good question. Because uh, it's not it. I would actually say it's not even the full gospel story. We're missing a little bit here. In 1 Corinthians 15, as we even continue that passage we started earlier, for if the dead were not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's pretty strong language. And you're still in your sins. Then those who have been fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life, we have hope in Christ. We are all people most to be pitied. Well, that's a bummer passage to read on Easter. <laughs> if this isn't true, if Easter isn't true, then we should be pitied that we're lost. If the hope we have is just that we follow philosophies of a really smart guru that lived 2,000 years ago, so that the life we have right now until we die is okay, and maybe we learn how to like, love people okay, and we're nice people, then we should be pitied. We should. If Easter isn't true, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead and raise us to new life, if it's only for this life right now of just good philosophies and thoughts, it's a good self-help book that we can open and learn how to be nice, maybe take some tips from it and from some other things, then we should be pitied. This is great though as the passage goes on, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. I love in the scripture, it doesn't give us time to be like, yeah, let's think more. That's not true though. Christ has been, indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. This is referring to the history of Adam. Way back, right? Adam sins, turns from God, says, I don't know if I need God, I think I got this. I think I can do this is disobedient, and the fall happens. And that's why Jesus has to come because we've then been distanced from God. His relationship's been broken. And so death comes through Adam and one man, and the resurrection from the dead comes through one man. And this is Jesus, the new, better, perfect Adam. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits. Then he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Do you hear that? This isn't the end. Is this it? The answer was 
No. Amen. And so Easter actually reminds us the resurrection, reminds us that Satan and sin and the power over us has been defeated, that we're welcomed into God's family. This isn't even it. Do you hear the language here? Even the first fruits. It's not the end. This changes everything. This introduces this hope in our lives that we can look forward now to a future. If Easter was the end, we went back and I went like, oh, stuff still seems broken. It seems as if Christ's work on the cross and his resurrection didn't do anything. But we know that this isn't the end. We know this from the book of Revelation. This is a passage we can look to on a day when we go, is this it? It's not. In Revelation 21, we hear, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Here's another real thing. Resurrection is real. It's a real moment that's going to happen. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and the God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. You hear this? This is the part that makes me question, is this it? There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for, the, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost for the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. It's one of my favorite phrases in scripture. He'll be their God and they'll be his people. This is what we have to look forward to. This is how this, is how this works. The resurrection, Jesus conquers death and Satan and sin. And yes, it's true. And we put faith in him and say, yes, I believe that. And then we suffer and we feel pain around us and we see death around us. And, and it's different now because deep within us, deep within our hearts and our souls, we have a rest even while we suffer. I was recently hanging out uh, with my friend Aaron uh, and we were talking about if we ever got a tattoo, what we get. It was like one of those casual like, hey, what random thing? And I was kind of hoping he'd just have something like weird and they're like, oh, that's funny. You're going to get like a, whatever, you know, like a dolphin on your arm. <laughs> and he said, oh, I would love to put the Greek phrase that means like joyful suffering. Because it reminds me that like I, I'm suffering and things are broken, but there's still this joy in it because of what Christ has done. And, and that like one day there won't be that anymore. They'll just be joyful. And I was like, oh, that's really good. <laughs> I was going to put like a cool cross on my arm. But what a, right? This, this is what we live in now. So is this it? No. We actually get to look forward to something. And because of the resurrection, we can say, yes, we know that will happen. It's trustworthy and true. Because the God who said, I'm going to come and rescue you. I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to raise from the dead has done it in real time, in real life. And we know he's trustworthy to come back and make it Right. Pastor H.B. Charles says this. He says, because of Good Friday, we can look back and not be afraid. Look back at our brokenness and know that Christ has come and, and paid for that brokenness, 
Because of Easter, we can look ahead and not be afraid. I love that. I can look ahead and go, like, I don't have to be afraid of what comes at the end of life. I also don't have to be afraid of all the steps that come up to that. Because I know there's a God who has a glorious future for me. Is this it? It's not. Easter tells us we have a glorious future. This makes me think of about a, a, a month ago now, our family got to go to Arizona, which was awesome and warm. Oh, it's so warm. <laughs> now it's 70 degrees, friends. Do you know how warm that is? <laughs> oh, 70 degrees. Uh, we had a lot of fun. But this vacation, even before this vacation, before we reached glorious Mesa, Arizona, uh, it was different. Our weeks, our months leading up to that were different. Even the day, from the day we booked the, the, uh, the airplane, the flights to it, something changed. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Change where like even in hard days, even in really cold, snowy days in March moments when you're like, I can't believe it's snowing in March still. Even just hard moments in hard conversations, there was this like underlying Arizona. There's this like, Okay, but I'm going to get to spend some days in a hot tub in Arizona. I'm going to get to spend some days riding a motorcycle through the desert. I'm going to get to just hang out with my family, eat some in and out watch the sunset in the desert. Like there was this thing ahead of me that kind of changed the rest of the days. I remember Kelly and I saying that, like, we just got to get to Arizona. <laughs> we got this. Have you had that? Or maybe, maybe in your life you kind of have those things. You like look ahead on your calendar, like, okay, I know I have this weekend away, or I have this night with friends. Even I think in my week that happens, I think, okay, I, I know I'm going to get to hang out with my small group guys next week. Okay, I, I can get to that. Like, I'm looking forward to that. That's like a sliver. A sliver. That's just like we get a little taste of what it really, really is deep within our souls because we know, okay, this is hard. But I have a hope because I know Christ is coming back. He's already come. He's rescued me and he's risen from the dead. He's conquered death. He's coming back. He's going to make all things right. It's a different life. So not only do we know we're loved through feeling we're broken, maybe even distant from God, but not only does Easter tell us, no, Jesus has done the work. Your perfection is not what's called for. You're clinging to Jesus, your faith in him, And he's also told us this isn't it. There's a hope. The Christian walk, in fact, often can bring more suffering. We follow a guy who was killed on a cross. It's a life of suffering, joyful suffering. We see this. I shared this um, at our Good Friday service. I've been really kind of moved by this. I've been reading some of Anne Steele's poetry. Uh, She wrote this poem in 1760. Anne Steele was a woman who suffered a lot in her life. She saw lots of her loved ones uh, pass away, including her mother when she was a child. She uh, had illness and suffering. Uh, lots of her friends re- reported that she had like kind of constant pain physically in her life. And she wrote this poem called God, the Only Refuge of the Troubled Mind in 1760. Um, it goes like this, Dear refuge of my weary soul, on thee when sorrows rise, on thee when waves of trouble roll, my fainting hope relies. To thee, I tell each rising grief, for thou alone canst heal. Thy word can bring a sweet relief for every pain I feel. I love right in the middle of To thee, I tell each rising grief. I love she, like, I'm just going to tell you, this is hard. This is really hard. 
And even when like my hope is fainting, when, when that hope is falling, when I'm forgetting that I get to go to Arizona, <laughs> I come to you and you remind me. And you remind me over and over that Easter is real. You, you might recognize these words. We actually sing this song, Dear Refuge in My Weary Soul. It was put to music. We sing it a lot here at Hope. Um, but I want you to know uh, a little bit more about her life. She lived suffering joyfully with hope, but it, sometimes it was waning. So is this it? Asking, is this it? God, yes, and, and, and over and over. Yeah, Easter's real. You died in rose, it's real. Uh, renewing that hope. The story goes that as she was dying, uh, she had friends who gathered around her to pray and, and talk with her. And they said as she died, she closed her eyes. And they said the last words out of her mouth were, I know that my Redeemer lives. They said she gently uh, fell asleep. Uh, one of them said, we wondered if she could see her Savior uh, as if she was telling us, yeah, he's, he's alive. I'm going to see him now. I love this image because a woman who suffered deeply uh, held tightly to this truth that her Redeemer lived, that he was raised from the dead. And clinging to that gave her hope until that day when she stood with him, until he held her. That's why this isn't it. That's why we know that God doesn't run from our brokenness. That's why we know we don't have to do more because our, our Savior lives. He's risen. Resurrection is real, friends. His love for you is real even while you're a sinner. His work is good and true and right, and we can rest in his labor. We can find joy in our present suffering, knowing we have a glorious future, a hope anchored in Christ. I'm going to invite our worship team up. Um, and we do this every week. We gather to remember this. Jesus died and rose. It's that important. And that one day he'll be back. And make all things right. And until then, we get to cling to him and we get to tell everyone around us this good, good news that they're loved, that God's not looking for their perfection, that this isn't it. So, a few ways we do that on Sunday morning um, is take communion. Literally, a thing that Jesus said do this so you'd remember what's about to happen. And that did happen. He died and rose. We remember his body being broken, his blood being shed. I recently was uh, told by a friend, he said, I like to take communion, I drink the cup, and then I look into the cup, the empty cup, and I remember the empty grave. And I was like, ooh, that's way cooler than I do. <laughs> Just throw it away. What a moment, though, to remember what Christ has done. Remember that resurrection is real. We also take time to pray and sing together. We sing words that just remind us of this truth. That's why we meet. We meet every week because we need to be reminded of this. I forget this. So we encourage you to sing with us. We're going to be able to sing some songs now. Also, in the back of the room, there'll be people who are willing to pray for you. If you just want other person to just pray, you don't even just say anything to them. You just say, pray for me. Or you just walk up to them and look at them. They'll know to pray for you. If you just want someone to pray um, for you or give them specific things to pray for, also, uh, at Hope, we, we give out of grateful hearts. Um, we respond to the gospel by giving. And so you can do that. There's um, uh, information on the communion tables if you'd like to give. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we're going to sing and worship for a little while together here and celebrate our risen Christ. Lord, you're so good. 
You rose from the dead. That changed everything. I pray that hope would go deep into our hearts, that would fill us to all the fullness of you. And as we suffer, and as we see brokenness and feel brokenness, that would not make us turn from you and think, oh, that wasn't real. In fact, it would cause us to cling tighter to you, filled with that hope, knowing that one day you have a glorious future for us. I pray we could celebrate this Easter together as we sing and lift our voices. Thank you for bringing us together. We pray this in your good name. Amen.